SBS Audio is supported by advertising. The commander and Mrs. Putnam have been exceedingly generous to invite you all to the reception. Of Howard, I expect you to be what? A good girl. Make me proud. You don't own me. I'm not your property. So take a shifty little bitty eye of me. So move the point. Like we did before. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, a weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show, and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode of Season 3 premieres on SBS and at SBS On Demand. And we hope you agree. I'm Fiona Williams, and I manage our online coverage of movies and TV here at SBS, and I'm joined by my colleagues and fellow resistors, Natalie Hamley of SBS Live. Hi. Hello. Sana Kadar of ABC Live. Hello. Hello. And Haiti Island of SBS On Demand. G'day. Hey. So we have just watched episode four of season three of The Handmaid's Tale. And this one is called God Bless the Child. Let's baptise this stinky little sinner. As Gilead gathers to baptise baby Angela. What a glorious day for our precious Angela. In another ceremony. We are grateful to God for these beautiful children. The act of christening has us reflecting on the idea of guardianship. We're not our parents. We're like... Godparents. And specifically the people you entrust to serve as your parenting proxy if you're unable to care for your child. They are not too thrilled that I'm the fairy godmother. June negotiates a truce in the Waterfords' fractured relationship. Serena. Fred. Janine oversteps the mark with the Putnam family. Can I hold her? I think that's enough. And a still-healing Aunt Lydia offers a brutal public punishment. So, yeah, this is like one of those episodes where... Not much happens, but a lot happens. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, which I always mm-hmm. find fascinating. Yeah, there were a few really pivotal moments between some of the characters, Aunt Lydia, Serena, and June. Yeah, and I feel like we always like last season. We always wanted Aunt Lydia's backstory. Like every week, we're like, when are we going to get her backstory? We wanted insight into her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I feel like we actually did get insight into her. We didn't <laughs> need to have a flashback, but I feel yeah. like we did actually really see yeah. what's going on with her, which we don't normally get to see. Yeah, no, we really peeled away some of those layers. How she's yeah. feeling, how what she thinks of her position in this whole structure. Yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that was good. Uh, we shall get to more of that. Uh, Sana, what stood out for you? I think it was... Aunt Lydia, mm-hmm. you know, her unraveling. I mean, it started with her being <laughs> shunted off to her naughty corner <laughs> by Naomi Putman. And then it, yeah, ended with her unraveling and sobbing and sort of, you know, contemplating, I think, that she's vulnerable now. Like, you know, she could be ready for the wall potentially if stuff still goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Heidi, what about you? I'm going to pick out a smaller element that I really liked in this episode. And it was the use of colour in the set design. Specifically in Sylvia's house, when her and Emily reunite, all throughout her house were these colours of Gilead. I don't know if you guys oh, noticed. No. What? But um, the opening shot of Emily waiting in the in the living room, she was framed by a fireplace painted in exactly the same colour as the green worn by the wives in Gilead. Mm-hmm. And there was a picture frame in the room that was exactly the handmaid's red and then I think Oliver's bedroom again was the kind of painted the green of the wives Mm. and just all throughout the house were these colours of Gilead and I kind of felt like that was a really interesting way to depict 
kind of the trauma of Emily and what mm. she was carrying from Gilead into this new world. I just thought that was just really sort of marry well the two worlds. But it was yeah. really well done. Yeah. In, like in my defence, I had tears in my eyes the whole time. Yeah, so <laughs> you yeah. didn't really see yeah. that. Yeah. Pick up the colours. <laughs> yeah, I noticed the wall colour. Yeah, definitely in, in Oliver's room, um, yeah. and also just seeing how these colours. They're, you know, in the normal world, <laughs> just colours, but yeah, very much. Yeah, so. I definitely, I read it as as the trauma Emily yeah, for was sure. carrying, kind of haunting her. Yeah. So while we're on that, my favourite moment in the whole episode was actually in, is it Oliver? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually in his room. I liked all the pictures that he had of Emily, but the drawing that he did of her, yes. he drew her as a superhero. That was sweet. Yeah. And she so is, and I thought... He, he got it. He yeah. gets his mom. Yeah, full yeah. marks. Yeah, I, bought, I, I, I was definitely crying by that point when I saw that photo. Yeah. Well, the reveal of her in the room as well, because you know you're peering in the lounge room to try and see where's Emily. Has has Sylvie got a new partner? What's going on? Here? Oh my god, the whole time yeah. I'm like, why is this so awkward? Does she is she repartnered? What's yeah. going on? Yeah. Why is this but, so awkward? Yeah. Like, this is not what yeah. I expected. Like, you should be, you know, hugging and crying yes, and well, all over each other. I don't know, like. But know. she's also giving her space. I it's know. Sort of, I, I know. <laughs> you don't I'm want to like, this is what I would do. But. <laughs> the, yeah, the thing that stood out for me, like, later on when I was thinking about it, I thought there was absolutely no touching. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And yeah. it wasn't even a hug between her and Oliver either. She said that, you know, that she wasn't ready and let's just wait until we're both ready. But there was no touching with any of them, mm. you know. And yeah. I just thought, oh, this is really strange. Mm. I, I, yeah, I found that puzzling. Yeah. But comfortable silences as well, sort of. It, it was awkward, but then when she was going to go and then actually I might stay a little bit longer. It was living in the They're, you know, uncomfortable. towards yeah. each other. Yes. I feel it, like yeah. I've seen too many um, YouTube clips, you know, where like the father returns from the war or something <laughs> yeah. and like the dog comes running, the child comes running, everyone's crying yeah. and that's sort of the reunion. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping for. Yeah, I mean, yeah. She, got, she got collapsed by an entire hospital when she, you know, walked through there when but she first arrived. that was awkward but too. Yeah, yeah. but I, I guess I was just expecting them to I think this yeah I was expecting them to you know run across the busy street and embrace when she <laughs> arrived at at the train station or wherever and yeah it did feel really strange to me that they weren't closer after that traffic stopping literally traffic yeah, stopping phone yeah. call a few episodes ago but I feel like there is this sort of idea that everyone who makes it out of Gilead is really affected and is really traumatized yeah and everyone kind of steps on eggshells around them and there is a lot of trauma to kind of deal with and, and I guess that, like most, I guess is the expression of it yeah sorry yeah. I, I guess most touch in Gilead is like brutal and traumatizing anyways mm. like you know mm-hmm. you're either raped you're either beat or you know like stuck with a cattle prod so touch has been for so long for her it's such a brutal experience that I suppose you know she wants to keep a bit or you know that's what they're expressing yeah. That she's, you know, going from touch to being brutal to touch being and, loving. And it's her choice when she decides to be touched yes. and have a hug with her son. Yeah, in, in exactly. In a beautiful, warm way, but it's still her choice. And, mm-hmm. I think and we do important. get an idea towards the end of how people think about Gilead because when Luke and Moira are yeah. also doing the christening for, um, I keep calling her Holly, but it should be Nicole. Nicole. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, when they said that the mother is in Gilead and just the reaction to that and clearly what that word and what that place actually means and how people think about it. It's like, yeah, she's she's not just in a state, you know, like mm, yeah. she is mm. in Gilead. Yeah, and that priest's eyes lit up. <laughs> so like, wow, yeah. Let's, yeah, yeah, exactly. let's absolve this baby of all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm. And speaking of that, that um, was my kind of moment, the, the baptismal element of this and just the idea, like I mentioned before, just the 
looking at who you trust to entrust to look after your child when if you can't mm-hmm. by your own choice or circumstances or horrific circumstances and the use of water for that sort of mm. the baptismal element all of the the pools and the, even the glasses mm. of water that are used in this episode just throughout was not like a nice mm. touch of the that baptismal element I'm, I'm a big believer in that sort of I always go for a swim on my birthday and oh, on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I just like, you know, wow. just a little, just wash off the year kind of thing. So, wow. uh, yeah, I really picked up on the, on the water here. That sort of spoke to me. That is so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, a mental note, go for a swim on my birthday. I just sleep in. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sometimes it's in September too, so it's not always the, I drink. the best weather. <laughs> oh, I my plenty one. of that too. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. On that point, I really liked the way a couple of episodes we had all these associations of fire mm, yeah. when June yeah. and Serena were in the room and then there was that pivotal scene with June and Serena in this episode. With the smoking. Yeah, in front of the swimming pool. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the water was replacing the fire. I thought yeah. that was... Ooh, we're getting all the too. elements in here. Yeah, right. So, so when's, when's the, the wind? When's the wind? <laughs> <laughs> some Too big good. winds blowing soon, I think. <laughs> but i got to say, I mean, we talked, I think, two episodes ago about religion and like June's relationship to religion. Mm. And this time we really got a proper explanation of her relationship to religion. And oh, she was, you know, she did believe in God and she was somewhat religious. Um, because prior to that, I think we were mostly speculating. We, we suspected she was. So I thought that was really interesting to see that backstory that, you know, mm. she was Christian and is Christian is, and yeah. really is stuck in like the worst version of Christianity possible. Mm. And Luke as well. I mean, he's the one yeah. that they're both really thankful for their child. I think today was important to say thank you to God. You know? Yeah. Me too. I got to say, I bloody love June's mom. <laughs> she yeah. is such a spitfire. I, yeah. She's hilarious with her little quips about religion and all the rest. I felt like she was actually me. <laughs> yeah, she was me. I was like, that's what I would be saying. <laughs> I love that she's so present throughout this series and she's helped shape June. And of course, Hannah is missing out on all of that by not having June in her life as much. So just the presence of Holly Senior mm-hmm. in flashback or in mm-hmm. June making monologues yeah. in, in her memory. I just love that, the way that permeates throughout. But yeah, Holly is a, <laughs> is a force of nature. The bit, <laughs> the bit where she's insisting that they go to a vegan I know. even though she's not vegan. Yeah. <laughs> How great is that? And I love that June's not too precious about it all either, yeah. that she still swears in the church. She's still like, she's not even a fucking vegan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the way this one starts, it's another beautifully ordered procession to mm. a mass christening. <laughs> it is a mass, that's a christening, but it's also a christening en masse. Mm-hmm. All the babies that have been born, including little Angela. Mm-hmm. The handmaids get special seats to be able to get a better view of their <laughs> know, daughters and sons being... I found that so disturbing. Like, I think they mean it <laughs> nicely. It always seems like whenever they try and celebrate handmaids for this amazing role and, and by bringing new life into the world... It's also quite traumatic. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do, do they, is it meant to be nice or is it also meant to be a bit torturous? I don't know. Are they like sticking the knife in and twisting it a bit? They're I think there's evil. always that edge to it <laughs> yeah. in some way. Yeah. But I was surprised how many babies there were. And like there were quite a few young children as well. Yes. I, I thought they were struggling to have babies in Gilead, you know, from last season. <laughs> See, like For me, it always feels like there's such a lack of empathy that in some ways I think they're cruel without even meaning to because uh, right. I think that... Maybe they have set this up and they think that it all looks great on paper, you know, like, (laughs) and we shall bring their handmaids in for this amazing role that they've done because it makes them feel good. It makes them feel like they are treating them well. And they just don't understand how they they would feel. They are just so divorced from 
what their feelings would be. That's interesting. But, yeah. yeah, it's just messed up. Yeah, <laughs> and um, the new handmaid of Matthew, yeah. you know, she appears to be buying it. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Is oh my she gosh, really? She's had three babies. She has had three babies within this hellhole. So, who's to say what that does to you having to go through this process three times? Three Maybe times. you need to really believe it to keep your sanity or something. Coping mechanisms <laughs> yeah. who, you know, yeah. we can't judge. But also, we still don't have a reading on her and certainly June doesn't. She's just looking up the stairs at her going, mm-hmm. "What is your story?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of impressed, though, when she finds out that she's had three children. Oh, yeah. You can yeah, see. Yeah. You can see the expression. <laughs> it's like, wow. I wonder how they do three babies. Like, do they, as like Janine was saying, she wanted to give baby Angela a sibling. Mm. Do they, like, would that handmaid have been, would she have gone to three different houses? Oh, That's yeah. what I yeah, assume, yeah. right? So. Well, Serena nods to that. Yeah, this is yeah. why it was set up this way, so that we don't have... <laughs> This sort of complication. Oh, the whole thing is just so creepy. Like, I know, I know that's the premise of what we've been watching for three seasons, but I just considered it in my head again, and this is so messed up. But anyways, sorry. Correct. <laughs> yeah, you can, kind of, you can kind of get lost in the Gilead. Yeah, yeah, you're like, just oh, like, oh, yeah, this is how things yeah, should be. Yeah, which, which is why I what? love the flashbacks so much, you know, yeah. um, because like normally flashbacks in TV shows and movies are always a little bit lame. But they're so good in this because you can easily get lost in the Gilead world and and we spent season one learning all of the rules of it and now we're kind of used to the costumes, you know. Mm. Like what was weird in season one, we're kind of used to it now. Yeah. So I really love the use of flashback to show this is what normal life should look <laughs> like. And look and look how June's skin is glowing, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just look how happy she is. Yeah. And her voice is lighter too. Like, you know, the way she talks in those flashbacks is totally different. Yeah. She's got a higher pitched sort of lighter, happy voice, obviously totally different to, you know, how she is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like we need to see that, you know, we need to be reminded. But she did have that great line in this episode, which was to Serena. Have I missed anything? Just the usual. Jello shots, charades. Karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> I do like it when they put that in there because it was just such a juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And all the little corridor conversations mm-hmm. in this one as well and Fred and Serena, their body language <laughs> on full display <laughs> to uh, to all and as if everyone was not watching how exactly yeah. they're negotiating the space between themselves. And there's June giving Serena a pep talk before she goes in and then she's consoling Fred. It's like these two cannot sort their shit out without her. <laughs> yeah. like she's in the middle of it still without even being in their household. Yeah. And that, I guess, culminates in that scene between Serena and June where the commander wants to reconcile and... June is sort of agitating for Serena to move the point. So Serena has power up to a point to move move the the point. point. And Mm. that's what's happening throughout this whole episode. Everyone's point is moving (laughs) a little bit. June's getting Mm. a little bit closer to the top of the pyramid. (laughs) Lydia is scaling way back. Her point is uh, getting lower and lower. Yes, Serena's still working out exactly where hers is, but this, this one's sort of points are... Points are moving around in this episode. which Some have more points on their ledger, some have fewer. Yeah, yeah. I feel like June's playing with fire. I still don't know where Serena's going to go. Yeah. And so last season, she was scary. She was so volatile. She was quite cruel. Whereas this season so far, she's clearly grieving. She's kind of broken. And June is trying to build her back together again in a way. But I'm like, once you get full strength Serena, you actually 
you don't know what you're going to get, mm. you know. So, yeah, I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Yeah, it could be horrendous, but it might be amazing, you know, like it's sort of, but it's different. It'll be mm-hmm. different to what the status quo is. So. Yeah, but sure. there was this one line she had, which my ears pricked up because like June is here in Gilead because she wants to be with Hannah and while she's with Hannah, she still has hope, mm. whereas Serena is the opposite. Her baby is outside of Gilead and mm. I'm like, Oh, is that where your storyline is going to go? Is is that why you've now turned because your baby is gone? Yeah, and I'm like, don't tell me. Is this is this whole season going to end with like June still in Gilead, but like Serena's in Canada? No. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's interesting because she also Serena asks June, "Do you regret not leaving this place?" And in mm. my head, I was like, Serena, do you regret not leaving when you were in Toronto and you were offered <laughs> the chance to stay? Maybe, yeah. maybe she's expressing her own regret there. Yeah. And that all was happening around cigarettes again. Remember, he offered her a Whereas, match, and yeah, here's a lighter here fire. in this one. Yeah, it's all sort of <laughs> big conversations happen over cigarettes around uh, around these places. And in that moment between them, like June is saying, he's lost without you. Wear the dress. <laughs> Which the dress? Strings. Well, a dress because she's in a suit now. It's a very different look for her. Oh, you're looked right. a little bit Hitchcock blonde, I thought. Like she looked a little bit yeah, like it's like a, in that, um, a skirt that suit kind of. Yeah. Yeah, right. Beautifully tailored, of course. of course. They all are. <laughs> yeah. But I was wondering, was that her mum's? You know how last week she had to... No clothes. Yeah. yeah she sort of had to get something resized from um, by Rita. but. I wonder, is she still borrowing her mum's clothes? Mm. But I would have thought there'd be seamstresses at work getting new outfits for yeah. Mrs Waterford after her epic fire. Everything was burned down. Yeah. <laughs> Heidi, you mentioned set design earlier. Yeah. And I was noticing how the Putnam house was so bright and airy and white, whereas all the other commanders' houses are like rabbit warrens that are dark and dank and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, have a very different mood. And I was thinking about why is their house so airy and lovely? And uh, is that a reflection of the fact that they have a baby, they've been blessed and they're, you know, like one of the, the blessed few couples in, in, in Gilead because it was such a different household. Mm. I mean, it was grand and amazing, but it was, yeah, so, so wildly different to the other ones we've seen that I was like, what is this co- trying to communicate? Because yeah. they're communicating something with this. Which is the same, by the way, with the house that Hannah's living in, which yeah. is also oh, beautiful. Yeah. Also a lovely house with a wide corridor and... A wide hallway, I a should big, say. A big, grand staircase yeah. for the entrance and exit. Because June comments when she walks into that pool room, that the room with the swimming mm. pool, it, she has a moment to just, wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> As was I. All, all of us, I think, yeah, just for a bit of uh, real estate. And is ogling. that a reflection of um, Commander Putnam's seniority or, you know, like, anyways. I think yeah. there's some, like, promise in the character of Naomi and some hope there that she might play a more of a role in the rebellion because... Uh, and that space, that palatial living room, is is where the wives first met to discuss the political action that they were going to take to the sons of Jacob. In this episode, Naomi lets the handmaids come to the reception at her house, and that's a special allowance she's making. The handmaids don't usually come to such things like this. And when they arrive, she also she addresses June and and thanks her personally for saving baby Angela on the bridge. And I think all of these are these little hints that. Naomi's maybe not as straight down the line as she was in previous episodes that she's changed. Even though she was one of the ones that walked out on Serena at the council, Mm -hmm. 
I think she's one of those ones that June is hinting will still follow Serena if Serena takes the lead. So yeah. And don't forget she handed think- Janine the baby. Like she well, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and she gave Janine that was the baby. Huge. Yeah. And said, you know, our God is a loving God and forgiving God. So yeah, there there you're mm. right. There's, so there's some like there. hope and promise I think in, so. in this household, I think. And the mention of the half walked up, yeah, but half stayed. And That's maybe right. some of them are also still a bit fifty fifty, like Well, and also me. when when her husband's friend makes a quip about smart girls cause trouble or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> he said, and Naomi hears that, and she you see her, she shoots a glance at him being like, WTF? Yeah, yeah. You know, she's yeah, like, that's right. baby, for God's sake, and you're already, like, maligning her for, you know. Yeah, Anyways. she bristles. She, she, she just made that. me think, they must hear that shit all the time, you know? <laughs> the husbands and commanders just must be saying stuff like that because they can, and mm-hmm. no one can tell them not to, and so they have but it's, no it's checks quite, on that. So, blah, there it is. It's quite all something to say that about a baby, which is what you need for, you know, your society to keep going yeah. anyways there's definitely still among the wives this kind of growing um discontent discontent as well i think yeah, yeah. well i'm guessing that after seeing serena lose a finger for that and they were all in that room you know it also could have been them so they all also came very close to being punished in that way so that's probably given some pause for thought some sleepless nights Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And it happened, I guess, that was in that episode where everyone was sort of working out what the stakes were and what the levels of punishment were for things because we know the extent of the physical toll has been scaled back a little bit. It used to be a hand, then it was a couple of fingers. And, yeah, so there's that negotiating of exactly what price you will pay for some sort of um, act of rebellion, however big or small. Mm. That's still being negotiated, so people are still trying to anticipate the risk <laughs> weighing up against what mm-hmm. costs. And I guess that's a good point to bring in Fred, Mr. Waterford, who is flying solo at the ceremony, very prominently has a seat next to him for mm-hmm. <laughs> for Mrs. Waterford, who's a little late. He and June, they, they have their moment where he comes into the where the Kitchen. handmaids are mingling because they can't really go to the buffet, but he sends them to the buffet <laughs> for a little bit of quiet time with June, which is very reminiscent of their conversations in the Scrabble in his office in the early days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't know how to do this, does he? No. <laughs> He's got no idea. <laughs> well, yeah, if you are choosing June to be your person to help navigate your wife, your relationship, <laughs> yeah. you're really lost, aren't you? Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> And he's he's looking rather haggard too. I, yeah. I read an interview with the makeup artist for Handmaids. I think his name is Burton LeBlanc. Yep. Where he did, I think, with Forbes, where he talked about the evolution of Fred's beard. So like in the first season, it was <laughs> kept very trim and very, you know, quite contained, changed a bit in the second. And now it's like sort of getting a bit bushy and like a bit haggard to mm-hmm. reflect his state in Gilead, his mental state and all the rest. And yeah, he's he's clearly disheveled mentally and a little bit physically too. Yeah. He needs his controlling wife back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he needs to be whipped into shape by her. God send me an obedient woman, remember? Um, and we've got Joseph Vines coming up on the show in a, in a couple of episodes' time and we, we also talk about his the way he plays Fred and just the stature and the, how he fills the the scene oh, with them. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. So I feel like his overcoats are always just a little bit too big for mm-hmm. him. Yeah, definitely. We, we get into all of that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so while we're still in the house... Mm-hmm. Um, let's circle back to Aunt Lydia and oh. what we saw. Now, before we get to what she did, which <laughs> was crazy, <laughs> watching her characters, her emotions in this and where she was feeling that, that she was when she was sitting alone in the corridor in a corner and um, Janine brought her a tea and Janine was like, we were all praying for you. And she's like, I know what the girls think of me. I know what those girls think of me. 
And I was actually thinking back to the interview that you guys had with Andal last year, mm. which was amazing. <laughs> she was amazing. Friend of the show, Andal. <laughs> yeah, because we had been asking for her backstory and she said a few lines in that interview, which was that clearly Aunt Lydia has been hurt many times. Mm. She's like, um, she's like, people have hurt her like over and over again. And also... You can just see her in a girls' school, can't you? She said something like that. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, that is what that felt like. I could, I can now totally see her. It felt like all the girls in the girls' school were in the kitchen or talking and she was ostracised right. and clearly feeling isolated. And I thought, and also with Aunt Lydia, you never see her with other aunts. Mm-hmm. It's not like the commanders who, who like have their own group and the wives who have their group That's and right. even the handmaids who are always grouped together. Aunt Lydia is sort of just this isolated figure. She's never hanging out or chilling. No, <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. And also I think Naomi shows how much the wives, I mean, Aunt Lydia alludes to it that the wives blame her as well for what happened with Emily and mm. the baby getting out because Naomi says, no, no, that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's not allowed yeah. in the nice palatial receiving room. Yeah. Yeah. So Lydia's on the yard with everyone and yeah. is very aware of that. And I love in the van on the way there where Lydia's reminding all the girls to behave. Make me proud. And who's the one that... And oh, she royally... Fuckers it all up. up. Yeah. yeah. And for that incredible shame that she feels and lashes out whenever she's feeling vulnerable. She just lashes like we yeah. did a couple of episodes ago with the cattle prod. And the when long... she's showing weakness, it, I'm going to zap that away. Oh, my God. what She goes to town on poor Janine. She does. Mm. And the long shot of her, like... After that, realising what she's done, looking around, you know, attempting to say something, taking it back in yeah. and then shuttling out like, oh, that was painful but so beautifully acted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and brutal the, in so many ways, wasn't it? Oh, and just gosh. the silence of everyone just watching. No what? one else intervened. Nope. You know, <laughs> that's right. What, nope. No one else jumped to like nope. help Janine. They were just watching on silently. It was bizarre. <laughs> it's like if June wasn't there, at what point were you Would, actually yeah. going to do something? Yeah, like, I mean... This is a fertile young woman. You want her, Gilead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't let her be beaten to death. Anyways. We <laughs> fertile have a, young woman, Gilead. Have a whole, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking in their terms. <laughs> you have a whole room of people playing their roles and, yes. and June's the only one that steps out of her role to protect Janine. So, um, yeah. It's yeah sort of, no I can one. understand why the wives aren't stepping in because they're all scared to step out of their role. I thought it was interesting the exchange of expressions between Lydia and um June. And June. Yeah. yeah. June has so much kind of soft power in this episode yeah. with with um Serena and with Fred and then with Lydia. It's almost like she's like sending these little signals across mm-hmm. the room to Lydia to say, Don't do it, don't mm. do it. Yeah, yeah. I Lydia guess, had the yeah. cattle prod ready. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and she's like, just just give her a minute here. Like last season, June and Aunt Lydia were in my mind, we're almost forming an alliance. Like, do you remember when baby Angela actually needed help in the hospital yeah. and and mm. the conversations that June was having with Lydia? And I thought, oh, okay, it feels like they're sort of aligning and they're now getting along and they're now understanding each other's use. But that hasn't been there this mm. season. And then actually seeing June kind of talk to Lydia like she was a child, you know, <laughs> like, like, don't or stop it or yeah. whatever, she, like whatever she said. And like the look on her face, I was like, oh, their relationship, whatever I thought was building last season, it's gone. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> there's something else is in there. But yeah, yeah, again, the moving the point, like they're 
power dynamic. Lydia is needs tons shifted. of therapy straight away, please. Yeah, everyone in happen. the entire world needs tons of therapy. Yeah, and of course Lydia and Janine, like you know, Janine lost her eyeball very early on because of yeah. a similar moment of acting out from Lydia to maintain power, and she spoke to that, of course, in the interview we had that she thought she knew who Janine was and acted to pluck her eyeball out back in season one and then immediately felt remorse, you know, has been dealing with a degree Mm. of remorse about having done that. So who's been sympathetic towards Janine and coddles her a little bit more than she might have some of the other girls. Mm. So it's especially brutal that she's doing it to Janine again in such a public way. Mm. Oh, you're right. Oh, gosh, now it's even worse. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was pretty bad enough, right? (laughs) So, So when Aunt Lydia breaks away into the other room and, and breaks down and starts crying. I've, I've read that as a turning point for Aunt Lydia, but I'm not sure. It could also just be the sort of side of Aunt Lydia that maybe happens sometimes that we don't see and this is the first time we've been shown it where she does feel this remorse, but then the next day she kind of pops the uniform back on and goes out and does her job again. Mm. I'm interested in your takes on it. Is, I... it, is this a transition point? Are we going to see... Are we going to see Aunt Lydia defect to the other side or is this just part and parcel with this the This is where Aunt I look Lydia at Fiona package. because she was on set. I'm not quite sure <laughs> yeah, if you guys Fiona know. Fiona, tell us. Um, <laughs> how did you know? I've kept that very close to my, <laughs> close to my chest. So I'm just going to look at you very no. meaningfully. Poke her face. No. <laughs> I, I just read that as like her devastation at realising her social loss of face and her loss of standing, mm. you know, amongst the wives and the commanders and that placing her position in danger because she no longer has control over the girls, over herself to a degree. And, you know, she made the the whole party really awkward at the end. Like, I, I think she was scared for herself there is how mm. I read it anyways. Yeah. I was actually wondering if there was an element in there as well is that she physically lost control in front of a baby. Like, that also mm. was a lot of mm. anger and violence to do around a child. And you know how much she values children and babies and <laughs> how it's the most important thing to her. And I would never harm a baby. But she really physically lost it in front of one. And yeah. so it's like... Oh, if you would do that here, what else would you do? So I was wondering whether that was part of her devastation as well. Maybe. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> it was interesting because at the first glimpse we have of her is on her scooter. Oh, <laughs> like my God. How great was oh the Helen Wheels? Scooter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, Helen I, Wheels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was and, hilarious. And I wrote, like, she's, you know, she's wearing her ailment, using it as a visual kind of tool you know she's able to speed ahead and like she's she's not cowed quite yet exactly she had full possession of that scooter (laughs) stop laughing (laughs) (laughs) um but for then what an arc in an episode to then be this weakened um you know isolated Mm. shamed creature yeah Mm. yeah oh i love lydia just give me more lydia (laughs) um it's a tenuous role being an an aunt because they all seem to be older women we assume they're you know not fertile And, you know, an older woman in Gilead quickly becomes redundant if she's not an aunt or perhaps a Martha. And I think uh, Aunt Lydia's feeling that. We got our first, I'm sorry, Aunt Lydia of the season as well, (laughs) which was quite great. One off the bingo card there. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So now let's flip to what's happening in Canada. We didn't get a huge amount in current day Canada because we I think we spent a bit of time in flashback but we did see a lot of Emily mm. and as we already said we what on earth is going on there and when is she actually going to get some love and affection back into her life again I think there was hope for it though like it was a warm very awkward but 
still hopeful reunion, I think, between them. Like, you know, Sylvia hasn't repartnered. I think the space there is being enabled to, to thrive. Well, I'm kindly thinking on of the show, thinking, okay, well, if they had a great reunion immediately, then I wouldn't get to see Emily for the next few episodes and I want to keep seeing her. So <laughs> I guess I do need to draw this out. And, okay, fine. Um, I'll allow it. Yeah. And the other element of the Emily moment was when her son asks her to read. Like she's a former handmaid. Mm. Books are forbidden. Oh, yes. She, her son is asking her to tell a bedtime story and she gets very overcome in the act of mm. um, reading about the little dinosaurs. And he's such a sweet boy, he noticed. Yeah, yeah. And then offered to read himself. And he's a really good reader as well. <laughs> <laughs> well done. So gifted. I thought that was a bit corny. I was like, as if the kid's going to ask her. I mean, I feel like he's still remembering who she is and not quite sure. And, you know, surely he'd want the other one. To re- I don't know. I thought it was a bit like, okay, they're hamming up the emotion right now. Is what I felt. Yeah, but he's been having her pictures in the room. This and is like true. It's, it's been building up. It just up felt very convenient. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah. And okay. it felt quite notable that he didn't know what to call her. Like he didn't call her mum. He just kind of went, hey, yeah. can, can you read this to me? Mm-hmm. So there's still adjustment. Happening. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, maybe that's just the cynicist in me. <laughs> the Emily moments have definitely been the most moving for me this season. Mm. They've been the only bits where I've cried so far. <laughs> yeah. Well, why have you been crying there? Um, maybe something to do with uh, having a one-month-old baby and being full of mum hormones. I don't know. <laughs> no, I've had the exact same reaction as well. It was all the Emily scenes in this episode which had me crying and I think also in the last two as well. Like, there's just... Yeah, I don't know. There's like a, there's like a lot going on there. I don't know why. It's like uh, it's just affecting me so much as mm. well. Um, I think generally like moments of redemption are what really get to me when I'm watching movies and TV. And and so that moment when she gets to Canada and there's just that relief mm. when the border patrol get her. That was one moment for me. And then yeah, these moments where she's coming back to her family and I so so want good things to happen to Emily and mm. you know the happening to her but not in the way that I'd like them to. So mm. that's that's kind of the heartbreaking element that's really cracking me. <laughs> yeah. I think they're realistic though. Like I do think like nothing is going to be immediately fixed. It's <laughs> like a hug's not going to yeah. fix anything that's happened to you. And that would probably be corny if they were like, you know, immediately. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't think I'd buy it, honestly, yeah, if, if it was true. music swelling and, yeah. oh, it's all better now you're out of there. The awkwardness, I think, yeah, I, I was okay with that because it's just kind of like, well... What would you do? Yeah, <laughs> You've yeah. Got, like so many, so much has happened in between. So much needs mm-hmm. to be talked about. But where do you start? How? Like, and she's not the same woman coming back. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. And having watched your family grow without you, like there are a couple of times different characters say, "Oh, they've gotten so big. Oh, he's gotten so big. She's <laughs> gotten so big." You know, you're not there for that, and that's upsetting. Mm-hmm. But he remembered her and he was excited to come home from school all day yeah. and I was just so relieved. If it was one of those situations like when Hannah caught up with June in season two and she was really mad at her, yeah. like, why yeah. didn't you come find me? Oh, yeah. And that was so devastating. So I'm really glad that this little boy is actually the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Well, his other mum's Emily's, been there. Yeah, and <laughs> like Emily's she... been through enough, you know. She just needs, like, you know, everyone everyone to love her now, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The difference, of course, is that his other mum has been there the whole time Poor Hannah's had this. Yeah, that's true. No adoptive mother who's pretending there was no other mother. So no. it's really vastly different circumstances these kids have having <laughs> been having to grow up in. And we see Luke and Moira in flashback, of course, at the christening of baby Hannah Banana. We see them again at the christening of 
baby Nicole at the end of the episode with a brief glimpse of Luke and baby Nicole in a protest, mm-hmm. chanting on video yep. in on an iPad in the hands of dun dun, Fred and Serena, who now know where baby Nicole is. Mm-hmm. They probably had a good guess that yeah, yeah. where she would be, but now they have physical evidence of that. So what does this mean now that the eyes know, now that they know, that June Gilead confirms knows, his identity. What are they going to do? It's a wonderful moment for June seeing that, seeing her together. baby with her husband, yeah, safe, but for how long is the kind of unspoken? Yes, because like, yeah, I thought it was interesting that they're are clearly, they don't just take a lost baby lightly. They will track that baby down and they have found baby Nicole now what? Will in Canada. war with Canada? It's What's... an international incident <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what kind of power Gilead can wield in Canada to try and get this baby back. I mean, I don't think they'll get the baby back, but, you know, <laughs> stuff's going to go down for sure. I Both... feel like a lot of the rest of the season is going to be dedicated towards Gilead trying to get this baby back. <laughs> yeah, because the baby's, both of the baby's parents... Well, I mean, all of them, if you want to do in Gilead speak, <laughs> however many parents this kid actually has, are all in Gilead. Yeah, That's right. That's right. Yeah, but, of course, the mother has passed her on to, to get out into Canada. So June obviously confirms Luke's identity, has to has to say that. She mm-hmm. has no choice, really. Yeah. Um, and but Fred certainly knows who that is because he was confronted by him back yeah. when in Toronto. Yeah, exactly. But it's a great moment where she's just noticing the weirdness of this guardian coming in and everything going through, and then slowly you hear the chanting. Yes, of, that's Wait, right. Are they watching TV? What is going on? Yeah, it's the great moment. For a second, I was like, "Hang on, is Luke in Chicago protesting?" That I don't know mm. why. Like, I was confused and freaked out. I was like, no, you can't be in Chicago. Mm. And I still find it weird when you see bits of modern technology in Gilead. So the fact they weren't watching it on some old fashioned TV set, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it was actually like an iPad or something. Yeah. It wasn't just photographs of it or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's always so jarring for me, but nicely in that scene, Luke was so happy, you know, Mm. Uh, I was, I was very glad to see that. Yeah, he was beaming. Yeah, we mm-hmm. haven't seen a lot of happy Luke. And he's like, it looked like he's connected with the baby. You know, he's wearing her in a harness, whereas previously when we saw him, he was really struggling to properly connect. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And Moira helped help make that yes. happen. So I was time. wondering at first, because like when, when June leaves and she starts crying, I was like, oh, I was actually was wondering what is going on? Is she crying because she feels she's just out of Luke? Yeah. Is she crying because she can see this happy family life that she could have been there for? But then she kind of starts laughing. Was she laughing? Yeah. At the oh, end? I think it was smiling. kind of. I think it's all of the kind above. Of happiness. Yeah. yeah. It felt like happiness at the end, and I was like, Yeah. I really, like, for a while there, I wasn't quite sure which way that was going to go. Well, I think it's all in there. Like it's yeah. oh shit, but also oh, They're but together. she's with Luke. Yeah. yeah. So, but also the baby, like, the baby made it. You know, because she had heard from a handmaid that That's the right. baby had made it, but this was the mm. the first time that she really found out that yeah. Nicole not only made it out of Gilead and into Canada, but into the right person's arms. You know? Yeah. 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 Perfect. Much different seeing it on video than <laughs> just hearing a nice update. Yeah. And it ends with a song, The Gospel, Down in the River to Pray. It's an Alison Krauss song made famous in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? in that mm. baptism scene in the Coen Brothers film there. I knew but, that I knew it, but I didn't know why. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that big mass baptism <laughs> in the Coen Brothers film. And this episode was directed by Ama Asante. She's a British director, directed the film Bell a couple of years ago, oh, yeah. um, A United Kingdom, mm. which coincidentally is available at SBS On Demand at the moment. <laughs> if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, she, she also directed the last episode as well. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's She's her done the last two. So, yeah, that's it, FYI. 
So that's that episode. Episode five is coming up. I think it's time for predictions. Uh, Natalie, let's start with you. I feel like episode one, we saw the Waterford house and we've spent some time in Commander Lawrence's house. Now we've been in the Putnam house oh, yeah. and um, and we didn't see either Nick, which I was very sad about. Um, or Nor Lawrence. Or Lawrence. No. Yeah, where yeah. was he? Where he was he the whole time? Go out. He, he doesn't He doesn't commute anywhere. No. <laughs> he's, not, he's not one for the big mass ceremonies, I guess. Yeah. yeah. No, they were they were notably absent. Well, yes, I'm wondering, who do we see next? Whose house are we in next? I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. I assume Nick's been sent to the front yeah. by now, so maybe we're going to go to Chicago. Sad face. <laughs> I wish dun, we dun, had dun. vision of Sana's face right now. <laughs> Definite sad face. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to see him again, don't worry. Um, yes, okay, Sana, what do you think is going to happen? I don't know. I, I feel like I've said that every time so far. I'm just here for the ride. I don't have any grand predictions quite yet. I, I will say, like, it's been quite sedate so far. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been much violence, which is probably nice for a lot of people. But I'm to name that. Well, I mean, yes. <laughs> in the scale of things that have happened to Janine and the others, that sure. was pretty sedate, let's be honest. So I'm sort of bracing for a bit more argy-bargy to come, but that's, yeah, I got nothing. Heidi, what do you yeah, think? I'm waiting for the horror as well. There's mm. been so many elements of the horror genre in the last seasons and I really don't think that's come up in this season yet. So I'm excited for some, <laughs> some proper excited. horror. But um, <laughs> the other thing I was thinking about was the O'Connor people of Gilead mm. and that we haven't really seen any of them since that tiny glimpse when um, June was in the, the Muslim family's household. And they must make up the vast majority of Gilead society. And I assume all these rebellions around the country that we've just gotten an idea of, uh, you know, being led by the Econa people as well as the Marthas and the handmaids of the world. So uh, I really, I really want to see some more Econa people and, mm. and get a bit more of that side of everyday Gilead life and where that's at. It's interesting, yeah, because they wouldn't know what's going on. Um, yeah, because they've they, had the wrong information all the time, yeah. aren't they? And they actually hate handmaids because yeah. they are, you know, they, they're fallen they, women. Or yeah. they're fed the propaganda about them. Yeah, so it's it would be interesting if there are, how do they find that out? Mm. Maybe another runaway handmaid hid under their bed. <laughs> um, is the propaganda still working on them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, um, but it is interesting as well, there is this other element of the society that's just going about their days, you know, living their lives as far as we know. Mm-hmm. All right, so that is episode five coming up. Yes, so that's your predictions. Not going to say anything except to say we will have Yvonne Strahovski on the show next week. Uh, So do stick around for that. She is really great, by the way. We didn't really talk about her much, but I thought, I think I could watch a whole episode of just her smoking. (laughs) (laughs) She's She's got beautiful lips too. Yeah, Yeah, but really violently, apparently. (laughs) Like a raised eyebrow. (laughs) So that's it for this episode, episode four. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Sana, Natalie, Heidi and baby Greta, who you may have heard a couple of gurgles throughout the episode. Eyes on Gilead is produced by me, Fiona Williams, and edited and mixed by Jeremy Wilmot. And we love hearing your comments about this show and about this podcast. And please feel free, tell us what you think is going on this season of The Handmaid's Tale and give us a rating wherever you get your podcast from. Reach out to us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at anything but Fifi. Natalie, where can we find you? At Natalie Hambly. Sana? At Sana underscore Kadar. And Heidi? At Heidi Island. 
And use the uh, hashtag Eyes on Gilead when you're writing to this. We're, we're all keeping tabs on that hashtag and loving everything you're saying about your predictions about this series. For more Handmaid's coverage, head to SBS Guide. That's sbs.com.au slash guide, where you'll find episode recaps and recommendations for other things to watch as you await the next episode of The Handmaid's Tale. New episodes of The Handmaid's Tale premiere every Thursday on SBS and at SBS On Demand. And if you haven't watched season two or you want to go back and rewatch it because season three is bringing up the urge to rewatch, the box set of season two is available at SBS On Demand, but only for a limited time. So you better get into that quickly. You don't own me, I'm not your property. We're all trying to make it through this without making any trouble. Until next time, don't let the bastards grind you down.